Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Jeff R. Steele. Dr. Steele is the senior pastor of Redeeming Grace Church of Coleman, Alabama. He's a conference speaker, owner of the Christian music group The Steels, and an award-winning singer and songwriter. Now, here's Dr. Steele. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, the Apostle Paul writes and he says, For this reason I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed. Now I want to remind you this is the same Apostle Paul who in Romans The first chapter said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for all those who believe. Here in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he says it again, I am not ashamed. For I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him against or until that day. In this world, of ever-increasing change that we live in, and we live in one, and it's changing away from the right and toward the wrong. I want to share with you three things today that I will absolutely stake my life on. Three things that I'm not ashamed of, three things that if I have to die, I will not abandon my belief in these three things. And I will challenge you to recommit your life today to these three very important ideals. Number one, your pastor believes in God. I believe in God. You say, pastor, that's awfully elementary for you to say you're the pastor of this church. Of course you believe in God. Apparently you don't know. There are mainline churches, evangelical churches, even some Southern Baptist churches today that are being pastored by men who don't hold a deep-seated faith or belief that there even is a God. You say, how can a person do that? Well, I'll tell you, it may be one of the reasons why just a couple of years ago, 10,000 of our Southern Baptist churches in America baptized nobody. You can't get anybody saved when you've got a pastor that doesn't even believe in God. I believe in God. Psalms chapter 46 and verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength a very present help in time of trouble. What a wonderful promise, but don't lose sight of the first two words of that psalm. God is, and we must today reaffirm our simple belief in the fact that there is a God, and I reaffirm my belief in that fact today. There is a God. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says, without faith it's impossible to please him. And those that come to God must believe that he is, that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. I believe in God. I don't only tell you that I believe in God. I'm going to tell you some reasons why I believe in God. I believe in God because we, you and I, can feel him calling us even this morning. Every culture throughout history has been convinced that there is a higher power that watches over us. The desire to reach for that higher power is man's search to be connected to God. Who put that desire in their hearts? Who put that desire in our hearts to have a relationship with God? God is the one that put that desire in our hearts. 
And I believe in God because we can feel him calling us. I believe in God because of the perplexity of the human body and the perplexity of the universe in which we live. This did not just all happen to take place by chance somehow. When we look at the science behind the human body, we see if there's a creature, there must be a creator. We are all born into this world with lungs that breathe in and lungs that breathe out. We are all born with a heart that automatically knows how to beat one rhythm right after another. Our hearts know how to beat. And when our bodies finally start to fall apart as we get a little bit older, God gives us, when we go outside, hair on top of our heads to block the sun so we don't get a sunburn right on top of our heads. When we get older and our hair starts to fall out, he gives us a brain inside of our head that says, now go to Walmart, get you a ball cap, put it on top of your head so your scalp doesn't get sunburned. The human body with all of its in, intrinsic things that work together in a manner that nobody can explain to me says there's a God, but not only the human body, think about this universe that you and I live in. Some say it's by chance. Some say there was a big bang, an explosion that took place, and somehow out of that explosion, all of this just came to be. Okay. On planet Earth, our temperature ranges from 30 degrees below zero roughly to 120 degrees above zero. If we were just that much further away from the sun, we would all freeze to death. If we were that much closer, we would all burn up. And yet somehow we ended up exactly where we needed to be in our distance from the sun. I'm telling you, I believe there's a God because of the perplexities that make up the human body and the perplexities that make up this universe. There are people today who spend all of their time trying to convince us that there is no God. What arrogance they exude. Because if there's not a God, as they say, if there's not a God, then guess what? You and I are the best there is for us to choose from for who's in charge of this thing. I'm sorry, I'm not willing to take that chance that you and I are the best there is. It's arrogant to say there's no God and that somehow all of this just happened to be here through chance and through some kind of explosion. I believe in God because of all the perplexities that it took to put you and I together and that it took to put this world together. I believe in God. The idea that this world just came here by happenstance or as a result of some kind of explosion is tantamount to saying that a tornado blew through a junkyard that had all the assorted parts of a 747 jet airplane out in the junkyard, the tornado blew through and left a 747 put perfectly together out on the runway, ready to fly, and with a pilot in the seat behind the controls. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard, and the craziest, other craziest thing I've ever heard is that this world just appeared out of nowhere or as the result of some cosmic explosion. No, I believe in God because of what I see all around me, the human life and the complexities of our universe. I also believe in God because of the sense of right and wrong that's in every one of us. Even from our earliest years, we have an innate sense of right and wrong. The world calls it a conscience. But that conscience, if you want to call it that, keeps us in moral and ethical order in this world, keeps that balance in this world. Our world would be in total chaos without that sense, that inbred sense of right and wrong. Who put that sense of right and wrong in us? God! 
God is the one that put that sense of right and wrong in us. I believe in God. I will stake my life on the fact today that there is a God watching over us and desiring to have a relationship with us. I believe in God, number two. I not only believe in God, I believe in the Bible. I believe in the Bible. I believe it's inerrant, infallible, and inspired. I believe every word of it is true. The Bible is a miraculous book. It was written over a period of 1,600 years spanning 40 generations, written by approximately 40 different authors, and yet they all came to the same conclusion, and that is that man is lost. God loved man. God sent Jesus. He died on the cross, rose from the dead, ascended back to heaven, waits to return for us someday in the future, and that we can have access to God only through the blood of Jesus Christ. We got 40 different authors and they all came to the same conclusion. They all said the same thing. This book fits together in perfect symmetry. I believe in the Bible. It was written by 40 different authors like Moses, who was a political leader trained in all the ways of the Egyptians. Peter, a fisherman. Amos, a herdsman. Joshua, a military leader. Nehemiah, a cup holder to the king, Daniel, a prime minister, Luke, a physician, Solomon, a king, Matthew, a tax collector, and Paul, a tent maker and a rabbi. It was written in many different places. Moses wrote in the wilderness, Jeremiah in a dungeon, Daniel on a hillside and in a palace, Paul inside prison walls, Luke while traveling, John while on the Isle of Patmos, and many other people wrote while they were engaged in a military battle at that moment. I believe in the Word of God. I believe in the Bible. It was written on three different continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe. It was written in three different languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. I believe the Bible. I believe in God. And thirdly today, I want you to know I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the Bible. I'm not ashamed to say that I believe in God. And I want to tell you today, I believe, I'll stake my life on it, I believe in God the church. I believe in the church. Now our modern culture says the church is irrelevant. The church has passed its usefulness. We no longer need the church, but I still believe what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. This is my church upon this rock. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus said in short, the church will never be irrelevant because the church belongs to Jesus. I believe in the church. It will never pass its relevance. It's the only institution in the world that wants to deal with death and eternity. The church. Now, our modern society, they want to ignore death and they don't want to talk about eternity. They don't want to have anything to do with eternity. But the church comes with a clear message that says, it is appointed unto man once to die. And after that, we will stand before God in the judgment. It doesn't surprise me that the world will talk all day long about heaven. The world just doesn't want to talk about the possibility that there's a hell. The world doesn't want to talk about the consequences of our behavior in this life, but there is one. And the church is the only organization in the world that says there is a heaven to gain, but there is a hell to shun. There's a consequence that must be paid for all of those who live their lives against the Bible and live their lives against God and live their lives in a sinful manner. Only the church says there is a hell and you need to do what you can through Christ 
to avoid it. I believe in the church because it's the church and the church alone that gives dignity to mankind. It gives mankind more dignity than modern philosophy does. Psalm 8 says, what is man that you, God, are mindful of him? You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. And that's the message of the church. Now, the world will take you into a classroom and tell you that if you boil your body down to just the essential minerals that make you up as a human being, that you and I are worth about a dollar and 44 cents. But the church tells you, you talk about bailouts. We just had a $700 billion bailout of a bunch of fat cats on Wall Street filled with their own self-importance and their worth. We just bailed them out. Once again, here come the taxpayers to the rescue, a $700 billion bailout. You want to talk about a bailout for a minute? How about the one God gave when he didn't look at a bunch of self-important fat cats on Wall Street, but he looked down on heaven and it, the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, still in our sins, God sent Christ to bail out and to die for the ungodly. That's what the church tells mankind he's worth. Now the world will tell you that in the last trimester of your mother's pregnancy that we could have gone in as a world and a society, taken an instrument, put it inside your mother, sucked your brains out of your head and folded your arms and legs together and like a worthless piece of paper could have flushed you down the drain in, abor in abortion. But listen, the Bible and the church is the only place that says God's speaking while you were in your mother's womb. I knew you. I had a plan for your life. I had a purpose for your life. You may be here today in the argument of your life may be, why am I here? What am I doing? Why am I in this place? How come it's so horrible I can't see? I must be worthless. Only the church says, if you are feeling worthless, you need to come to God's house, get plugged into God's plan, find out what God's purpose is for your life. God has something important and vital for your life. That's why you were born, because God had a purpose for you. I believe in the church because of the dignity that the church preaches for human beings in our society today that is pretty much down with people. I believe in the church because the church provides a moral compass. Our young people today, I'm, I'm disappointed many times when I see them all around the country turning to gangs and violence. I hear about young people that kill their parents and grandparents ruthlessly and without any mercy. They kill their little brothers and sisters and just leave their bodies for someone else to come and clean up. They'll kill people for $5 or a pair of shoes. But folks, think about it for just a minute. What is it in this culture besides the church that gives our young people any reason not to be violent? Everything out there teaches them violence, violence, violence. Only the church stands as the beacon of hope for morality and decency in our culture. I believe in the church because the church provides a loving family. Someone, and we're all the time talking about how the church has got to stand up for morals. The church has got to stand up for morals. No, no, no. It's the government's job to stand up for morals. They're the ones that make the laws against killing. They're the ones that make the laws against stealing. The church is not in the morals business. The church is in the forgiveness business. And that's where we've missed it. That's why so many people have disconnected with the church. We've tried to be the moral agent in our society. We are the forgiveness agent in our society. James chapter 1 and verse 27 says this, 
pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. I talk to people all the time. They say, Jeff, I don't really know how to witness. I don't know what to say to people who don't know Jesus Christ. Well, I've got news for you. If the church was doing its job as the scripture outlines, which is to care for those who are less fortunate, to do for those who cannot do for themselves, and to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. If the world was seeing a church that was not influenced by the world instead of a church that's over influenced by the world. And if the world was seeing a church that was taking care of those who were less fortunate, you would never have to tell anybody about Jesus. You'd never have to witness to anybody because they would be coming in droves to say, what must I do to be saved? How can I join up with this living, breathing organism that God has put in this place? The problem is the church is not unspotted from the world. The problem is not that the church is not influenced by the world. The problem is we are over-influenced by the world. That's why when you go out and tell somebody about Jesus, they don't have any response to you that's positive because they know how we live. And that's not pure religion. And that's not the job of the church. People not only know that we're not unspotted before the world, people also know we are not caring for those who are less fortunate than we are. We gave that job over to the government and what a mistake we made. Now we've got a social security system that can't get anybody paid and can't promise us we're even going to have our Social Security when it comes time to get it. That's the church's job, Social Security is, not the country's job. It's the church's job to care for those less fortunate, and we're not doing it. Folks, it is not the primary job of the church to stand up and tell people how to be saved. It's the primary job of the church to show people how to be saved, and they'll believe our demonstration a lot quicker than they'll believe our words. They have heard it until they're sick of it. They have heard all of our presentations from our mouths until they don't want to hear it anymore. They have figured it out. All the preachers out there that can't even breathe and preach at the same time, and I'll tell you this, and nearly about to die. They know that's fake. They know that's phony. They know it's phony when preachers stand up and change their voice when they get in the pulpit, don't talk anything like they do when they're out of the pulpit. The world knows it's phony. The world knows people that drink all night on Friday night and Saturday night and then come to church on Sunday want to tell them about Jesus on Monday. They know that's fake. They know that's that's phony. We have got to get back to doing the job that God created the church to do. Care for those that are less fortunate and remain unspotted from the world. I am looking at a church today that I could just as well be looking in the mirror. We are anything but unspotted by the world. We're anything but unaffected by the things of this world. We have let the world fill our cup. We have let the world fill our plates. We have let the world fill our lives. And the Bible says that if we're going to be pure and undefiled before God and doing the work of the church, we got to get the world out of the church and get the church back out in the world and start helping those people who are less fortunate and have need of our help. Paul said, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed because I know in whom I have believed. Folks, it's getting to the point where you're going to have to say it. You're going to have to say it with the fear of your own life. Yes, I believe in God. I'm willing to do that. I really am. I am willing at my age, I've had enough thrills, all the good things that could have happened in life have happened to me. If today I have to die for saying I believe in God, I'm willing to die for saying I believe in God. I'm willing to die for saying I believe 
in the Bible. I believe in the miracles. I believe in all the stories that are in the Old Testament. I believe in the parables of the New Testament. I believe in the Bible. And I'm willing to die. I stake my life on the fact that I believe in the church when the church is operating under the guise of the real church, helping those who are less fortunate and remaining unspotted from the world. And I'm going to challenge you today. Dad, I want to challenge you. Does your family know where you stand? How long has it been, Father, since you called the family together and said, today, I want to let you know what's important to me. I want to let you know what I'm willing to risk my life for. I want to let you children, I want to let you, my wife, know what I'm willing to stand on if I have to die. Do your children know you have that kind of commitment? Mom, what about you? Do your babies know that? Do they know what's important to you? They can't know unless we've communicated that to them. And in too many cases, my fear is we have not communicated to them what's truly important enough to die for. I stake my life on this. I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded to the point where if I have to die, I'll just have to die. That he is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. I believe in God. I believe in the Bible. I believe in the church. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you'd like to contact Dr. Steele, you can go to his website at jeffrsteele.com. If you'd be interested in Dr. Steele coming to speak or having the Steeles minister at your next event, there's a booking inquiry form there. You may also call the office at 256-590-2068.